This is the Road to Russia 2018 podcast. This is Road to Russia 2018, the TSN podcast. When you hear that music, music becomes synonymous with World Cups across the board. It makes you feel all warm and tingly on the inside. We are 34 days away for the start of World Cup 2018. Gareth Wheeler alongside Andy Petrillo. What's going yeah, on, Andy? I'm getting excited. This is this is about the time that you do start to get excited, right? Just a little over yep. a month away. It starts to dawn on you. Yeah, yep, this tournament is actually happening because let's face it, there's a ton of soccer going on already. So people are getting their fix. But now it's like, Wait a second. And I think to me, <laughs> it really hit me that World Cup was around the corner when I was watching El Clasico last week between Barcelona, Real Madrid, and Ronaldo came up limping after he scored that goal. And I just thought, oh, that's not going to be good for Real Madrid. And then I went, wait a second. That's not going to be good for Portugal. Like, that's the last thing you want to exactly. see in your star player with just a month to go to World Cup. So that's when it really started to hit me that you need to start putting these guys in bubble wrap because the biggest tournament ever is just around the if corner. If you're supporting your national side, like Laurent Koscielny goes out, the Arsenal center back, who's also the French international center back as well. I don't rate Koscielny, so I think it actually helps France's chances <laughs> that he's not going to be there. But yeah, that's where we're at right now as mm-hmm. these domestic seasons wind down. We still have the Europa League final and the Champions League final. But really in earnest, this is where the buildup starts. And this is a great way to introduce a podcast as well as Andy and I, and this is awesome working with Andy Petrillo because we always cross paths. We do. Yeah, they never we... put us together until now. No, because they can't handle it. It's just, they can't, I mean, <laughs> minds are exploding right now. Yeah, so they need to put us together for the biggest tournament in yeah. the world, right? <laughs> yeah, because we're not going to go off the walls right now. Uh, but so this... it's going to be us two and Terry Dunfield joining yes. us on a weekly basis, counting down to June 14th when it's the opener Russia-Saudi Arabia. Mm. Talk about a less than glamorous opening match. Russia, Saudi Arabia? Well, and it almost feels strange, but should we start even this podcast off by saying who's not in the World Cup? Like, you almost feel like you're doing a disservice to the teams that qualified. But I think there's still something to be said about who's not. I mean, you have... We should start there, really, because each and every week we're going to break down the groups and build up towards the opening match. But, yeah, let's start on the ground level. Like, over two years of qualification plays out, and significant countries won't Mm -hmm. be participating in this year's World Cup, which I think will affect the way that some Canadians watch the tournament. Okay, so I have a story to share there. Let's go. So number one, we know Italy's not there. And this is a huge deal, right? First time since 1958 that they're not in. They have, what, four World Cup titles. That's second most behind Brazil, who has five. And I know that there are a lot of casual soccer fans who then get excited during World Cup. A lot of Italian fans. So they may not necessarily stay on top of the two-year qualification going into World Cup. But then once it happens, they put on the Azzurri. They're getting set to wave the flag. So a couple weeks ago... I'm you either a- love to cheer for them or cheer against them. Exactly. Equally. But I'm at a, I'm at a family event a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And it comes up. World Cup is around the corner. And this one guy's getting all excited. Oh, yeah, Italy, man. We're going to take it all. And we all, like, a few of us just kind of stopped and looked at him. And we said, you realize they're not in. He had no clue. He because- had no clue? To so many people who are casual fans and maybe don't stay on you top just assume. of it. You just assume Italy's always going to be in it because this is the juggernaut that they are. This is how huge they are. They are the monsters when it comes to World Cup. And you could argue the last few World Cups, it hasn't been that great for them ever since they won in 2006. But you just take it for granted that they're going to be there. 
So for a lot of fans, whether they're fans of the Azzurri, the Italian side, or just fans of World Cup, there it's going to feel weird, I would think, that that team is not in it. Right. It, it, it will feel weird even for the casual fan, but it's Italian football supporters in this country who are verbose. Mm-hmm. There's great numbers. There's great spirit. We live here in Toronto. Little Italy just shuts down for big... Um, Italy St. Clair, matches. that's where the parties happen. Well, now you just got to go a little bit more west of little Portugal now. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 really, like my friends are like, okay, once the Juventus season's done, then I'm done. Yeah. Or hey, I'm 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 a Napoli supporter. Like, look, like I don't know how I'm going to watch the World Cup. You are of Italian heritage. Obviously, mm. you're going to be working this event on the television side for TSN. But your friends and family, how yeah. are they approaching the summer's World Cup? Or is it kind of like? Speak no evil, hear no evil, see no evil at this point. <laughs> I'm sure there are some fans who are like that, but at the end of the day, I know the people that I associate with just love football, so they want to be able to watch it. Like Either way, they're still curious as to what's going to go on, but it does take a bit of that thrill out of it, right? Because the one thing you do look forward to, um, if you're in Market Lane in Woodbridge, like you look forward to the TVs <laughs> getting set up outside. And then, you know, once Italy wins, it's all about putting the flag outside the window and then just strolling up and down the streets, whether it's Highway 7, little shout out to coffee time, whether it's going to St. Clair, honking the horns. <laughs> that's what you look forward to doing. Yeah. That's out of it. So I, I think a lot of people still watch. But that type of thrill, that party that you have when your team does something great, it's out of it. See, the, I'm, I'm Canadian first. Well, mm-hmm. I, I can't remember 1986. Like, I was far too young to experience Canada's lone appearance at the World <laughs> Cup. I'm secondarily Welsh. The Euro 2016 tournament was incredible, making mm-hmm. that run to the semifinal. That was special for me because I've never experienced Wales in a major tournament. They lose to Ireland in the last match mm-hmm. of the of the group stage. They're eliminated. My family's also English. See, these are my three kind of spectrum. Oh, that's the that's the triple but whammy. I, I've seen England not only fail spectacularly <laughs> in World Cups, where it's almost. Um, it would be better if they weren't playing, but I've actually seen them not play or qualify for a European championship as well. So mm-hmm. I've had that experience before, but this will be a completely new feeling to a lot of Italian supporters out there. Most definitely. Same thing with the Netherlands. Mm-hmm. If you've been to a World Cup, I was at the World Cup 2010 in South Africa covering that tournament. The Dutchies, the the, the, the Orange Army, they're mm-hmm. amongst the best supporters at a World Cup. They're going to be missed. The fact that Netherlands aren't there. The fact that Chile is there, who've had South American dominance to a certain degree. They were right up there with Brazil and Argentina in a recent vintage. So players like Alexei Sanchez, Arturo Vidal, they're not going to be at this tournament. People say Mm -hmm. the United States, Andy, but I don't think worldwide people gather around the television saying, I need to watch the U.S. play. Now, it affects the U.S. television networks. U.S. supporters travel abroad and embrace the event like no other. Like, they Mm -hmm. attend the event very well. But in terms of Canadians watching the tournament, you're not saying, I don't think, oh, I need to watch the U.S. men's national team. But Italy, Netherlands, Chile, I mean, these are big absences from the tournament. Well, and Netherlands, you have to think, this is always the bridesmaid, never the bride. But you know Mm. they're going to be challengers. I mean, you know, they ended up, to to your point, in 2010, they were in, you know, the final. In 2014, they finished third. I mean, this is a team that... Beat Spain. Like, yes. It was incredible. This is a team that always challenges, and they produce some of the best soccer players in the world. And you're again, you're like, why am I not seeing any Dutch flags anywhere? Oh, 
You mean they didn't qualify? Like, it's just this very weird feeling. The U.S., I feel like that's another topic that we can get into as well, because I think the first thing, at least what I thought about when they didn't qualify was, oh, no, is this going to give people in Europe justification about Major League Soccer and where they see that league going? Which isn't fair. It isn't isn't fair. But it's perception, right? 100%. I mean, but then I would throw back in their face, look at what Toronto FC just did and, you know, CONCACAF Champions League. And then even if you go back to the Italy side, some people argued, why was Sebastian Javinko not part of that squad? (laughs) Even if he came in off the bench, even if he was somebody you used near the end and try to, you know, use him as dead ball specialist, free kick. Like, there's still these arguments where you're like, you purposely ignore certain players players simply because they play in MLS and is that justified is that fair and that's where that argument I think kind of fuels itself again with the United States having not made the World Cup again I think it's you know unfair because what are you suddenly going to say Italy's program is gone well, no, because Dutch program's gone I, I think it just shows you in international competition and it's completely different than club football where a head coach or manager gets a group of players for a short period of time and he needs to have a structure or system in place and get the most out of them. I think it was a coaching breakdown. Like the U.S. men's national team coach changed their, their their coach. Bruce Arena came in yeah. and he was clueless. He didn't know how to get the best out of his team. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Italy. Giampiero Ventura, like, I, I, I'm sorry, the players that he was deciding to play in the certain roles, that's the main reason for me yeah. they didn't qualify. I don't think it's an indictment on Serie A or, or MLS, no. but it's easy to kind of spin it that way. It just shows you the fine line between success and failure and how making it to the World Cup in general, that's an achievement to itself mm-hmm. and nothing to to put up your nose at. Like, look, like once it's a 48-team World Cup in, what, 2026? Oh, geez. Um, How much uh, research do I have to do then? I'm already racking my brains with, like, 32. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> but I think, I think FIFA missed the ball here because you still want the tournament, uh, the World Cup final, that is, being a difficult tournament to qualify for. It's part of the charm, yes. part of the celebration. I think they should have only gone up to 40 teams rather than 48. So instead of these groups of three that they're going to have, yeah. you just have eight groups of five. You add one more group game, two teams advance from each group. I think it would make the group games that much more competitive. And you'd have to add an extra five days to the tournament, basically. So I think they missed the boat. But, hey, if FIFA wants eight more teams or, mm-hmm. or, or 16 more teams the way it's going to be, then they're going to get what they want. So. Since we started off by saying the big teams that are not going to be here, is there a team you're cheering for? Like, is there an underdog or somebody you didn't expect? Well, it has to be Iceland. Yes. Doesn't it? Because they're the smallest country to ever (laughs) qualify for the World Cup. You saw the Icelandic chant and the pride which of the everyone's Icelandic adopted people. now i know they do it at tfc games but it's great apparently it started with aberdeen and skull i don't i don't know who had it first but it just oh. suits iceland right yes like it suits it's vi- the vikings i don't know how anyone would cheer against iceland in this tournament and if you are italian or dutch or american that's the team you rally around right yeah like for all intents and purposes they should not be a world-class footballing nation but they've invested wisely into their infrastructure it's all based out of Reykjavik they have a they have a proper first division now in such a tiny nation what is it like I think they're like the some, size no. of Vaughn what are they like 300,000 or up. less I think everyone that's part of that nation is on that soccer team and I say it in jest <laughs> and they all have brilliant names by the way oh. 334,000 that's it yeah. so it's the size of Vaughn it is it really is and so I was actually in Iceland over the holidays uh, New Year's right so first yes. time visiting Iceland and I Absolutely fell in love with the place. So, of course, now you have more of an affinity towards this team because you're like, this is awesome. Uh, But, yeah, it's going to be fun trying to pronounce some of those names. But I'm just like, here come the Vikings. Right. 
there there are some some sleeper nations who I think that uh, maybe aren't getting enough publicity yet about how they qualified and why they're there. Egypt with Mo Salah, uh, mm-hmm. arguably a, a player who's put his name in the mix with the likes of Messi and Ronaldo based upon the seasons he's had this year at Liverpool. I, I think Senegal is, a, is, is, is an interesting nation. Uh, you can go down the list. Croatia is a team that always impresses at international competitions, yeah. but finds a way to trip over themselves inevitably. I love the way that Mexico plays as well. So I don't think it's just the big guns. There are plenty of other feel-good stories and attractive teams to kind of ch- to look out mm-hmm. for. But the reason why I want to ask you, Andy, about how it will affect your viewing that Italy's not there, it's because there are countries like, you know, Russia's a host nation. They're, mm-hmm. No one's expecting anything from Russia. They play Saudi Arabia in the first game. I mean, yep. that's not an attractive first game. When you have countries like Panama and Tunisia, like these are some of the countries that are there instead of the Ghanas, the Italys mm-hmm. of the world. I mean, it's a significant dip in terms of reputation and familiarity with names and faces on some of these teams. So I think it will affect the way that many people watch the tournaments. Yeah, and I, you know, it's always about superstar power with any sport. Right. Soccer's no different. You know, having said that, obviously, yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of matches that people are not going to wake up for because there is no star power. But then, you know, you can't forget the fact that Portugal, Spain, France, I mean, you know, Argentina, there's still a ton of teams in Brazil and Germany that obviously people are going to be tuning in to watch and see how they do. But you're right. It's like some of these, a lot of these nations are actually making their World Cup debut. Like, we're not talking about, you know, certain nations, never mind, they haven't been at the World Cup in over a decade. They're making World Cup debuts. So you actually have no clue what to expect. Who's on this team? Who are they? Like, even some of the reading that I've been doing when I've been trying to get to know some of these nations, I'm like, I have no clue. Mm -hmm. Like, it is just, I mean, I'm having to research some of these players. Now, here's another thing, and perhaps we'll have to get into this in the next segment. When we're talking about Sweden qualifying, and Zlatan Ibrahimovic teasing us with some of his remarks that he's been putting out on Twitter. And it sounds like... Their head coach and players within the team want nothing to do with Zlatan anymore. It's a very difficult... I think when he's teasing, and we will get into this in the next segment, I think I have an idea about what he is actually teasing. Okay, I want to hear we'll, that because... We'll get into that. I mean, when he put out, and we'll we'll read the... I mean, if I'm the, the tweet I'm referring to where he basically just says his chances of being with Switzerland are sky high. Like, he kind of does right. it in... In Swedish, but if you translate it, it almost seems like it's sky high, and you're like, wait a second. Right. Let's get into Zlatan yeah. next. I also want to get into the one biggest single factor, which is going to have the biggest influence on this year's World Cup to previous uh, p- to previous tournaments. So let's get into that mm-hmm. next, okay? We're excited about this. Wheeler and Petrillo with you. No Dunfield this week. He's going to join us. Luke Wildman, Stephen Caldwell, Chris and Jack, they'll be all in the mix, but... We'll bring in those guys later because we're crushing this. The first episode of Road to Russia 2018 across the TSN radio network. You're listening to the Road to Russia 2018 podcast. This is Road to Russia 2018. Wheeler and Petrillo with you. Feeling good about this, Andy. Mm-hmm. You're a lot more fun to work with than Terry. <laughs> Don't tell him. I, I guess he'll probably listen to this. He will hear this at some point. Producer Joe Nurse is going to use that. He's going to hold me hostage with that comment. That's okay, though. We all know it's true. You brought up Zlatan Ibrahimovic. I it's did. funny. I, I, I was at the TFC game Wednesday night uh, down at BMO Field. I came home. I turned on James Corden. Oh, my goodness. Was that ever hilarious? Come on. I, I, 
Zlatan is everywhere but <laughs> yeah. on the field. He had the wonderful debut for the Galaxy, scoring the incredible goal from distance and scoring the match winner in 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 in, in time added on in the what do they call it? The it's it's the Los Angeles Derby. It's just yeah. skipping my head right now. But he's been on Jimmy Kimmel. He's doing the late night circuit. But let's not, okay, let's mention what he was discussing on James Corden as well, where he basically said, because he's having a sculpture done of him. Yeah. And he said that if he ever had the sculptor who worked on Cristiano Ronaldo's bust, he would have fired him immediately. And I have to say, (laughs) I 100% agree with him. A million percent agree. Ronaldo's bust is the scariest thing I have ever seen in my life. And it needs to go into hiding. And it needs to have like a blanket and a curtain and everything over that original one, though. The original one? Yeah. For rightening. I have no idea if that was a joke or that was, you know... (laughs) was actually done seriously. Because part of me was like, someone's having a laugh. Someone's having a go at him. Yeah, uh, yeah. it was like, here's Ronaldo when he's on carbs, here's when he's off carbs. It's like, what happens? Right. Like, it, was just, it was wrong on so many levels. But um, so we, we got into Zlatan because I brought up Sweden qualified for the World Cup. Out of Italy? Uh, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that reminder because I wasn't watching or anything yeah. in November. But, you know, he, and here's the thing, because back in 2014, Zlatan, he has so many famous quotes. I mean, just pick one. But basically, when Sweden did not qualify, he turned around and said, nobody's going to be watching the World Cup because Zlatan will not be there. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember saying to myself, I'll admit, I was like, you know, I feel like Zlatan Ibrahimovic is one of the great players who will never get a chance to play in the World Cup. Just with the way Sweden was going and that program, I just felt like he would never get his chance. Well, OK, there he goes. He retires from the, the national team. And next thing you know, they end up qualifying for 2018 and you hear right away that everyone's fine without him they went through qualification without him you know so they get into russia without him and nobody seems to be like now we need him nobody's talking that way but then you go to his twitter account and because he says so many egregious things you don't know what's real you don't know what's not you don't know if it's if he's teasing if he's just trying to stir things up because that's what he's known to do but you know he ends up sending like i cannot deprive the fifa world cup of zlatan i will be there I even have a coach ready, fully Zlatanized. Zlatan will return to the World Cup, you know, thanks to Visa. It's obviously going on a partnership there. But you're like, okay, what are you talking about? And then, like I said, about a month ago, he ended up putting out, you know, the chances of me playing in the World Cup is, and I don't even want to try to pronounce that word because I can't pronounce it properly. It's in Swedish, but Skyhoga. And then if you look it up, it, you know, kind of goes along the chances of Sky High. The chance of me playing in the world. He doesn't say being there. He says uh, the chances of me playing in the World Cup. So now you're like, what's going on, buddy? I have a couple different thoughts on this. He's a marketing machine right now where he's more well known for his quotes now than his actual quality on the field. I mean, he's 35 (laughs) years of age. He did in his knee. Um, Sweden did well as a group, as a team to qualify for this tournament without him. Remember, he mm-hmm. played in Euro 2016 and didn't do much at all mm-hmm. for a team that was very difficult to watch. So the fact that Sweden has taken a step forward without him, I think that speaks volumes. At the same time, I don't know how you could deny a spot in the team for a player that on a flip of a dime can turn a game on its head. And if you can play and if you can have Zlatan on the bench as a reserve, a player that can come into the game, maybe provide you a goal in a desperate time when you need one, I don't know why you wouldn't keep him included. That being mm-hmm. said, I don't think he's going to the World Cup as a player. I think he's going to go as a pundit. I think it'd be mm-hmm. foolish for whether it be an American network or another 
World Cup provider not to pay Zlatan whatever he wants to come on board and provide commentary. And that's what I think this media tour that he's doing right now is kind of all about. It's about the persona of Zlatan and not really the player anymore. I, I don't know how you feel about that. That's, that's what I mean yeah. when I think he says he's going to the World Cup. Yeah. He hasn't really kind of referred to whether he's playing or not. Well, that and first think, tweet threw me off when he said the chances of me playing. And I was like, wait a second. This is kind of different. And then from he's what kind I of scaled back and yeah. said, I'm going to be there. Yes. Um, but just hearing what the head coach of Sweden, as well as some of his uh, his uh, potential Swedish teammates are saying, I just don't foresee it happening. Although I'd love to see it, and I think he should be there. Yeah, I mean, given what we've already seen him be able to do with the LA Galaxy as far as coming off the bench, you know, short time, MLS, and as, as you mentioned, that's a big guy who hurt his knee. Mm-hmm. That's a lot coming down on that joint. That's not, And then, yeah, you kind of hate to say it, but when you're heading up there in age and you're hitting your mid to late 30s, it's a little bit more difficult. And just the abuse he's probably put his body through over the years, it's just natural wear and tear. Was that torn ACL with, that he suffered with Manchester United? He mm-hmm. tried to come back incredibly early. He said he was a lion, but... What is he, he was, six? He's six five or something. Right? He's like, a big boy. He's that's a, a lot to ask of you know that joint to recover. And uh, as someone who has torn their ACL and had reconstructive knee surgery, I can just tell you. And I am by no means even close to being a pro athlete. Like I can't imagine then putting your body through that later in in life too, right? Like in in right. your later stages of your career and your age. But I mean, he's come on in. And to your point, even if you brought him in for the last. 15, 10 minutes, you're trying to tell me he wouldn't have an impact? Right. And this is a guy who does not get intimidated by anything. Because I think I think they're an, an extremely competitive group, and it's one of the groups I'm most looking forward to seeing, to be honest. It's Group F with Germany, South Korea, Mexico, and Sweden. And those are three teams that can score goals, that can get out, play a Just little bit more Just don't play him against South play. Korea. Because they will hack and whack and chop at his leg. Well, well South Korea <laughs> traditionally is one of the most, if not the most fit team at a tournament. Mm-hmm. So if you want to have a player that can keep up with the pace of the play mm-hmm. that, they, that, 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 that they play, I don't think Zlatan's the guy. But maybe you need a goal late. They're a very difficult team to break down. Just ask Italy. Yeah. Just as other teams during qualifying, they have some good young players who have come through the ranks and they've turned the page. I just... If you have an opportunity to have the Zlatan back in the team, I just don't think you can deny him that chance. Yeah, but either way, it's a personality there. I'm tuning in. Yes. Oh, 100%. I I mean, you're right. The character has probably become bigger than the man, but who cares? I love it. Like, there's just, there's, because here's the thing I love when someone has the ability to be entertaining without. Uh, degrading somebody else, demoralizing someone else, having to put someone else down. His whole shtick is about pumping himself up. Right. And I have, I, I mean, I, and you can say, well, that's conceited. That's, well, but I have time all day for someone who's making a caricature of himself as opposed to trying to be funny by putting somebody else right. down. Because we see that kind of humor, too. And I'm like, I don't have time for that. And oftentimes these soccer players, just, it's just the nature of the world. They're very well protected. You don't very often hear, more so here in North America when players come over, there's more access to hearing what these players have to say, more media availability, more focus, rather than being sheltered within the team structure of massive European clubs. It comes out in bits and pieces a little bit more with Instagram now Mm -hmm. in different ways. But now I think you're seeing the full essence of who he is. And I'm with you. I I don't have a problem with it whatsoever. I think it should be embraced more. So that'll be interesting. And yeah, we'll see what role he has. At the World Cup. We'll, we'll get into the in the coming weeks some of the teams we like, some of the, the, the feature teams, what Germany looks like, try to retain their title as world champions. But I want to get into 
what the biggest change is going to be at this World Cup. And we got a taste of it at last year's Confederations Cup, where it's a, the, the, the winners of each and every confederation, the last World Cup winner, the last Euro, uh, Euro, European winner, and the host Russia. And they instituted VAR in that at that tournament. And we're watching VAR play out before our eyes right now in MLS. To say it's in its infancy and they're and we're experiencing growing pains would be a massive understatement mm-hmm. in terms of how it's affecting the game. At last year's Confederations Cup, teams would score a goal and no one would know whether to celebrate. Yeah. Whether it was <laughs> the supporters in the crowd or the players <laughs> on the field. It was like shocking to watch. And now we've seen it controversially used in MLS when VAR is used, when it isn't, the types of decisions that are made that end up being subjective. Like, it's not goal line technology where, you know, okay, the ball went over the line, yes or no. It's being used in a very subjective way. And Andy, I think it's going to be the biggest threat towards casual fans, hardcore supporters, the teams, the coaching staffs, the players, Fully embracing this World Cup. I think it's far too soon to implement VAR on such a grandiose stage as the World Cup. You're right. And the last thing you want to do is make something more gray. So when you introduce goal line technology, which we saw for the first time at the 2014 World Cup, you loved it because that truly is black or white. I either, love it. it either across Every the line time or I did see it. it, you're like, yeah, the referee's looking and then you see it on the screen. You're like, yeah, goal or no goal. Immediately Simple. he gets notified. And that all came about too. I mean, there had been outcries for a while, but it was the 2010 World Cup, was it not? England? I was was in Bloemfontein. I was at that game, England-Germany. I think it was 2-1 at that time. Frank Lampard off the crossbar. I was sitting right behind the row of photographers, and one of the photographers turned around and showed me the picture of the ball a foot over the goal line, but it wasn't given. And that's when you knew that something had to change, and Hawkeye technology came into play. And that's exactly it. And Unfortunately, it had to happen like that on the biggest stage, but for the next World Cup, it ends up getting implemented. And you're right. It's just like Hawkeye in tennis. That's what you want. Exactly. It's either black or white. It's either yes or no. Just give me that answer. I now liken VAR to what we're seeing in hockey, which is causing everyone to pull their hair out, and that's the whole goalie interference. Yep. And even in some way, it's even the same thing with offside, because as much as you think, oh, it's so easy to determine if someone's over a blue line or not, there's still so many other factors that come into play. So now what you're also doing is you're delaying a game. So something happens, a challenge happens, or and you know right away, because in soccer the ref you know, puts his hand to his ear, Madonna style, like he's singing, getting ready to bust out a tune. And then it's like, uh-oh, here we go, here we go. And there goes the box symbol, right? And then he's got to make his way on over. But here's the thing. What he's also looking at, it's a subjective decision. He's still, it's mm-hmm. still a human being who's going to make the decision. Some may say, so, okay, you bring up um, you know, what we're experiencing in MLS. So, so let's bring up the Toronto FC Seattle Sounders game. And the second goal scored by... Which happened on Wednesday night. Yeah. By the way, an incredible name, Hanfala Bawana. Yes, and what a story, wow. too. Yeah, great story. Um, so, you know, he goes and scores. And, of course, you know, Greg Van even comes out afterwards in his press conference. And he has his phone frozen to that, saying any part of the body yep. that can be considered, you know, what you can score with, is that if that's in an offside position, then it's offside. And he shows it. And, of course, the upper body, you could argue, is offside. And, but I think what upset them, too, because here's another thing. It didn't even go to VAR. That's the thing. That is the... So we have two arguments happening here, right? You still have a a human being who has to look at it, make the decision. But then in some cases, they don't even deem it worthy to go to VAR. And you're like, hold up, wait a second. Which is crazy because that's why the technology is being 
used to begin with. Mm -hmm. So scenarios like that, when you're not sure, so you can hypothetically get the call right. Okay. Like taking away the subjective nature, but it was subjective. The fact that they decided not to use VAR in that moment. Mm -hmm. So spin it back a week and a half ago. All these things are happening to TFC. And I know we're in (laughs) Toronto and we're not trying to make it all about TFC, but I think it properly illustrates the danger of this. Mm -hmm. So TFC had a goal called back, which was deemed narrowly offside in a game against Chicago a week and a half ago. In that same game, uh, a Chicago Fire player, Nikolic, was in a passive offside position. VAR was not used, which would have shown him in an offside position. Thus, a Chicago, Chicago Fire goal stood. So what are you going to do? When are you going to use VAR? Is it every mm-hmm. time? Is it only at the referee and the VAR referee's discretion? Mm-hmm. Like, how are they deciding when they use it and when they don't? And what I'm being told, Andy, is at the World Cup, they're telling the linesmen, so the assistant referees, if it's a close call and they're not sure, to keep their flag down and let VAR decide. But if they do that, what if the referee doesn't decide to go to VAR? What if the VAR official misses it or decides not to investigate? The call on the field This stands. is the entire problem. <laughs> yeah. Because back in the day, like how we grew up watching the game of, of, of football, we get to see the replay afterwards and be like, oh, the referee missed that. Mm-hmm. Or the linesman missed that. And then we get on with our lives, right? But now, what happened on Wednesday night for Toronto FC, you're like, well, the linesman missed it, and we have the technology to go back to see if they yeah. missed it, and they decided not to use it. So here's It's a, crazy. It is. It's crazy. And here's another thing. We always say when new rules are implemented in any sport, like, don't worry. You know, players will probably complain about it in the beginning, but they adapt, right? Well, guess who else adapts? The fans. So when you have now given them the expectation that things will be challenged, that things will be looked at, they're going to expect it. So when you don't do that, don't be upset when the fans get on you. Don't be upset when the fans are upset because what you're doing is you're forcing the fans to adapt to what this new technology is. So they're going to expect it. And now you're either not going to it or it's completely subjective still. Like, This is what kind of makes me laugh when leagues introduce something that's subjective and they're trying to make it easier on themselves. But I'm like, but it's subjective. I don't understand how that makes things easier for anybody at all. And and that's what is pretty frustrating is you start to see inconsistencies. And that's no surprise because when you're dealing with human beings, we're going to be inconsistent. But the bottom line is, is if you've implemented it and you've given the expectation that when things are tight, you're going to go to VAR. And then there are other games when you don't. Don't be surprised when people rain down. I on think you. this could be a nightmare. Lionel Messi might play a wonderful through ball to to the uh, to Higuain or whoever scores a wonder goal in, in like the 18th time that Argentina's played Nigeria in mm. recent vintage because they always play one another and everyone will be celebrating. You'll be like, "Well, wait, VAR, oh, the goal's called back." Are you kidding me? Yeah, scoring a goal is the most difficult thing to do in the game of football. Yeah, and now you are. Planting a seed of doubt in everyone's mind. You don't go on and enjoy that moment right away because we need to double check. You know, it's, we know, you know <laughs> what it's going to turn into? It's called short track speed skating. Short track speed skating. The reviews. Whenever yes. the race ends, you always have to wait because they review to see if someone bumped, made an illegal lane change. So all the fans who are short track speed skating fans all know that when the race is over, they don't cheer. They sit and they wait. And then they, that's, that's what you're going to create. And and, soccer is an emotional sport. Mm. Like, it's emotional to watch, to be a part of, to be in that stadium. And now you're trying to take away that element. I am complete. This is the one thing Sepp Blatter said, the former 
uh, head of FIFA said, like, listen, VAR is a massive mistake. That's the one thing I agree I with that to criminal. That's probably the only time no, I agree I, with honestly, it. <laughs> because I, I, I think it's a massive mistake. I just don't think the football world is ready for this. Mm-hmm. I think it's too much too soon. Goal line technology, yes. Did the ball go out of play across the touchline? Yes or no? I'm fine with all of that. But the way that VAR is being used and isn't being used right now, it's extremely problematic, and I worry what it means for this summer's World Cup. I don't want it to be the VAR World Cup. No. I don't want you on your recap show and us on the radio to be going on and on and on about VAR, but I worry that may be the case. Yeah, I think it's too soon. I agree with you. I mean, it's the right idea. It's just too soon for the World Cup. Uh, we'll get into some of the players we're keeping an eye on, and who does this World Cup mean the most for in terms of legacy? We'll get into that next. Wheeler and Petrula with you on Road to Russia 2018. This is the Road to Russia 2018 podcast. June 14th, the Luzhniki Stadium in Moscow. It all gets underway 11 a.m. Eastern time. It's Russia and Saudi Arabia, the first match of the 2018 FIFA World Cup in Russia. We here across the TSN radio network and, of course, on Canada Sports Leader on the television side will have each and every match for your enjoyment. Gareth Wheeler, Andy Petrillo with you. Uh, let's speak to some of the the main figures who are going to be front and center in this year's tournament. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw three names and we can always add to the list. But who does this World Cup mean the most for in terms of legacy? There's Cristiano Ronaldo, who suffered a sprained ankle in the El Clasico just last week. Yep. I, I fully expect him to play the Champions League final against Liverpool, let alone the World Cup. But Ronaldo obviously was crowned European champion with Portugal in 2016. Mm-hmm. He watched on from the sideline as his team what Was prevailed. that a hamstring again? Or what was that? Was he that came knee? off mid-game. I, I, yeah. I'm blanking out on what it was. Because he had but... the big tensor band around his thigh. So I was like, what's going on and there? And he took yeah. upon role of head coach, by the way. <laughs> When, uh, Whatever the leg injury was, he was still hopping around on the sideline, that's yes, for sure. Yes, yes. Uh, is it Lionel Messi? Mm. Uh, Argentina has done very little with Lionel Messi being arguably the world's top player over the course of his international tenure. Uh, Neymar, I'm throwing out his name as well. Of course, with Brazil, when his back was injured it was a national crisis in Brazil in 2014. He actually suffered some fractures. I remember they released the x-ray on that. He turned out to be A-OK, <laughs> and he became the world's <laughs> most expensive player. But it was like they buried him nationally. But Brazil had much to prove after an 8-1 embarrassment at the hands of Germany as well. So those are three of the biggest named players in the world. And each of their legacies will all together, and, and I think it's fair to a certain degree, can be defined by what their country or what they do on the international stage. Fair? Mm-hmm. Unfair? And who are you most concerned with heading into the World Cup? It is the age-old debate, right? Like if some, Because the World Cup, you could argue, is one of the hardest things to win. Um, should it really be held against a player if he doesn't win it, given the fact that he's probably won, you know, Ballon d'Or, however many times, right? And he's, you know, FIFA World Player of the Year, and he's already won Champions League. And, you know, I can go on, you kind of know who I'm already referring to, and La Liga, and, you know, these guys have these titles already under their belt in Champions League. So what does the World Cup really then do? Like, should it define their career? I most definitely think it helps. You know, I think you kind of go into this, legend territory, like this mythical legend territory if you end up winning well, World Diego Cup. Well, Diego Maradona's done it, Pele's done it. Like the the, the, the names that we associate mm-hmm. for the best players of all time, 
largely most of them have ended up lifting the World Cup yes. trophy. And, and it's true. And I mean, in some ways, I think some people, you know, and then you have to break down the lineups a lot more. And some people could argue that it could be a little unfair, given that you may have a superstar. Sure it is. But that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, the rest of the team around him, you know, is strong. Or, you know, was that a little unfortunate and how that ended up and playing out? And you go up out. against other very good teams. Like, we absolutely get it. And one player, it's not like basketball, where mm-hmm. one player can, you know... A LeBron James, if if yeah. you if you attribute Cristiano Ronaldo being the LeBron James of world football, well, sorry, there's ten other players that are that, that are playing beside you. Yeah, and that's not to say that you know you haven't seen exceptional talent where somebody again, if you want to talk Maradona, dribble from his own defensive end, you know, and then go and score New a goal. England, yeah, you're not saying that that can't happen, but um, I think for me, if I were to just choose, like, who does this mean a lot to? Obviously, it means a lot to all of them. I would just say Messi. Yeah, me too. You know, simply because you have, you know, Ronaldo, to your point, winning, you know, the European Cup. I feel like that's a pretty big... Well, you can make arguments as well that Messi has won other international tournaments, but I just think... Do you know what's funny about Portugal doing that? Sorry, Andy. Mm -hmm. was the fact that Portugal won uh, Euro 2016 by playing ugly. It wasn't because of Cristiano Ronaldo. They were bullish defensively. They were anti-football. They were boring to watch. I'm not going to hold it against them because they inevitably went on to win the title, but oftentimes it was crimes against football. The fact that they would just basically, um, like, the the match against Croatia, I still wake up in cold sweats from. Uh It was just so negative, everything about that match. But he still goes on to, you know, champion of Euro 2016, which is a big accomplishment for a player. And it's a huge accomplishment. He has that in his resume um, to go alongside everything else that he's accomplished at league play. Right. So that makes him and again, obviously, he's hungry for the World Cup, but I feel like there's more satisfaction there than it is for Lionel Messi. And another reason, too, is I think, you know, for Lionel Messi, the last two World Cups haven't been the greatest either, like 2010. That was pretty disastrous, and I think a lot of people expected more. They from were him. embarrassed. Fordell, I was at that game as well in Cape Town. Look yeah, at you I know. Going I know. all these games, I know. Aren't you uh, just the world traveler? Me- Messi had that one moment in 2014. I believe it was against Iran. It was a like a 90th minute wonder goal that he had. But largely, th- this is why I think you're spot on with with Lionel Messi being the player to watch. The team around him for me isn't good enough. You have some very good attacking talent, but defensively, they're a nightmare. They played a friendly against Spain last month, and Ishko and company just tore them up. Otamendi and Rojo as your two center backs. I just, I, I worry about Messi that he's being, that his reputation on the international stage is being determined by, be, by playing for teams that mm-hmm. simply don't have a good structure aren't willing to dig in like Portugal showed they can at Euro 2016, and too much of the weight of the nation is being put on his back. Yes. It's a lot to ask. And what he considers, this could be his last chance at, at winning or playing, being a significant player in a World Cup. Well, this should also just give you an example of how up and down it's been. Now, he's never won a Copa America, has he? Uh, had, I no, don't he has not. so. So now if we're going to compare again just the two, oh, Ronaldo's won Euro. And, you know, so now you got Messi who hasn't won a Copa America. But here's another thing. So like I said, 2010 was, you know, disastrous. 2014, obviously, they lose in the final. Um but he left the national team. Mm-hmm. Like, this is how yep. bad things were that Messi left the national team. And Isn't they that had to convince him. When that happened? Yeah, they and just... they had to convince him to come back. Now, you could say that in qualification, he came up huge for them. And, you know, he's, you know, he's the reason why they once again got in because things weren't exactly easy for Argentina either in qualifying for this World Cup. And he came up pretty big. But, 
you know, I just I just wonder how much, yeah, is on his shoulders and how defining this is and how often is he going to have Maradona thrown in his face? Although I could argue that Maradona had a little helping hand in his yes, World Cup win. No kidding. Um, but but, I, I, but it's legacy stuff. Like it, I, I think it absolutely matters. And it's not as if he doesn't have any talent around him. Like Mascarano's been very good. Aguero, Higuain, Dybala. Like you have good players in that team, whether it's coaching, whether it's structure, whether it's the pressure. I was going to say, do you think they try to funnel to... it through him too much then? I don't, I, I, I'm not quite sure what it is. Um, he performs well. Like it's not a messy problem. It's an Argentina problem. Mm-hmm. But I think that's who will will be defined the most. I know a lot of people are fancy Brazil to win it. That's why I bring up Neymar and what he means for that country. He's been out since, I believe, February with a metatarsal issue. He says he's going to be healthy for the World Cup. But if Brazil is a perceived favorite and they want to kind of get rid of the demons from 2014 on home soil getting dismantled, by Germany, I mean, there's still something to prove here for Brazil. Yeah, I mean, I think the Samba Kings never disappoint with their flair and their style and their ability to score. The question marks, at least for me around Brazil, have always been the defense and the goalkeeping. And can they get that, right? Because once you're able to penetrate that, well, as you just mentioned, we saw, you know, when you have a world-class team in Germany and what they were able to do. So to me, the questions have always been defensively when it comes to Brazil because they love to push. Yep. They have this high-energy game. They love to push forward. Okay, that's great, but then you also allow yourself to be exposed a lot, right? So, I, And the year that they ended up winning, the last time they ended up winning, they were criticized. Get a load of this. They win the World Cup. Um, oh, that was in the 2000s. I'm blanking on the exact year now. But when they won, the last time they won the World Cup, they were criticized by their own nation for not having the flair that they're known for. Right. Why? Because they played more of this shutdown, defensively structured game, you know, which ultimately ends up winning the title that these you know, nations are dying to win. Well, it's 2002. And, then, and they got uh, criticized. In, in, in Korea, Japan, and... And there was all the drama surrounding Ronaldo at that time. Oh, the yeah, other I Ronaldo, that. it's just, uh, it's, it's, it's. I, I'm intrigued by what Brazil's going to be, and they've already named 16 mm-hmm. players of their squad. Like in the coming weeks on the podcast, we'll kind of provide some commentary of who's in, who's out for the various squads. They've already named 16 of the 23 players mm-hmm. very early, so it may prove to be decisive and advantage naming your squad early, but. You know that Neymar is going to be there. If mm-hmm. he can play, he's going to be there, and we fully expect that he will. And they have to feel good, right, winning the Olympics. I know everyone might say, oh, it's the Olympics, and it's more of like an under-23 tournament, right. and you're allowed, what, two or three overagers, which is why Neymar three. was able to play. Yeah. But I was in Rio, so hey, I beat you at something. I was actually at a game. <laughs> uh, and I mean, the country shook. The country vibrated under my feet. That meant a lot. And that was at the Maracanã Stadium as well. That meant a lot to the Brazilians to be able to, for the first time ever, win Olympic gold. Well, there's going to be a ton of top talent on display. We already mentioned Mo Salah, Kevin De Bruyne, players coming off top domestic campaigns. And we're a matter of mere weeks away. June 14th, it all gets underway on TSN and the TSN radio network. And we're going to hold your hand and prepare you any way Hmm. that we can for this summer uh, it's the world's biggest tournament, ladies and gentlemen, and I know that we're ready for it. And uh, over the next coming weeks, we know that you will be getting set for it as well. Great stuff, Andy. This was fun. Look forward to next week, my friend. Pod one in the books. Dunfield will join us next week. So we'll be carrying a little bit more weight for the 42 minutes or whatever. <laughs> That's okay. 
looking forward to this. This is Road to Russia 2018, and you're listening across the TSN Radio Network.